The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Human design is a system that offers profound insights into your inner self and how you interact with the world around you. Quantum human design takes that process one step further, allowing you to become the architect of your own reality. Join Dr. Karen Curry for Elevating Your Life Script, a weekend workshop where you transform your life by crafting intentional narratives, May 24th through 26th at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Making the world your lover. That's what we're here to do, my darlings. That's what we do through my online joy school at lisamaccord.com, through my newest book, Free Your Joy, The 12 Keys to Sustainable Happiness. And it's what we're going to do right here, right now together on the Do Joy podcast, where I bring you fascinating guests with powerful insights for elevating your personal vibration. Deep lasting happiness is a skill you can learn, and I'm so honored to be on this journey with you. Welcome back to Do Joy, my beautiful, beautiful listener loves. Have I told you lately that I love you? Probably. I do it a lot. And I do feel you. I feel all of you out there on more than 30 countries all around the globe. Isn't that so cool? On every continent except Antarctica. I still can't seem to crack Antarctica. But I hope that you feel one another as you tune in to Do Joy and this energetic space that we share and create here together. You are the powerful warriors elevating the level of joy and love on this planet. So give yourself a big juicy hug right now. Just do it. Just love on you, please. And then stretch yourself to love on you even harder. I'm so excited to report to you that my newest book, Baby, Free Your Joy, The 12 Keys to Sustainable Happiness, releasing August of 2023, is now available for pre-order wherever books are sold, as they say. And at your request, Joy School has begun offering monthly workshops that you can do a la carte without being in our membership program. So you can find out all about that at lisamacourt.com. We're doing a special episode on gratitude today, and I've invited a superstar sister who really knows how to incorporate this magic ingredient into everything she shares with her tribe. You'll see that she is just a gorgeous, powerful voice for so many of the energetic truths that we cherish here and continually dig around in here at Joy School and on this podcast. I met her way back in my Hay House days. She's sassy and fun, and I just adore her. Summer McStravick is a powerhouse of positivity and inner transformation. A personal growth coach, podcast host, creator of Flow Dreaming, a mind-body protocol that she used to transform her own life and career that is now used by over 180,000 people. Summer understands the importance of remaining attuned to your emotions, your needs and your longings, and knowing when and how to pivot when life demands it. In Stuff Nobody Taught You, 40 Lessons from Me School to Help You Stop Being Miserable and Start Feeling Amazing, she offers readers saucy straight talk and actionable tips to create wildly successful and happy versions of themselves. She is our people. Welcome, sister. (laughs) Thank you, Lisa. (laughs) Woo, that's so much to live up to. (laughs) I always feel that way, too, when people introduce me. It's like, oh, wait, me? We're talking about me? (laughs) Yeah, I know. I was like, I did all that? that really? I guess I did. <laughs> you live up to that, girl. You rub that right in. That is all true good stuff. <laughs> so let's Thank just... you for having me. Oh, my gosh. I'm so delighted. I've been so excited to talk to you again. 
So let's just dig right in on this whole gratitude thing because I know that you understand the power of this magical, magical ingredient that can really be used as a tool, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. I always think of gratitude as just one more crayon in my toolbox of, of crayon emotions. <laughs> um, you know, Remember those big fat boxes you used to get as a kid? If you get the jumbo box, it was just like heaven, you know, like, like a hundred different colors. And those great names of the colors. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Gratitude for me is like a beautiful, spicy, pinkish, orangey color of mango sunrise. Um, <laughs> I love that so much. What I mean by that is uh, every feeling I feel like has a purpose in our life. Um, every emotion isn't just something that pushes through us. So when we're creating a feeling, gratitude is that feeling. We're pulling out that crayon and saying, what will this feeling create for me in my life? So when I'm bringing out that emotion of gratitude, what I'm actually telling the universe is not only am I grateful for the things that I have, I'm also grateful for things that maybe I don't yet have, right? So I'm actually doing a kind of programming, even as I'm, I'm getting into a kind of humble, thankful state. It's a very, it's, a, it's complex, but it's, it's beautiful. <laughs> well, we can go into that if you want. Hallelujah, sister. We are definitely going to go into that because I know exactly yeah. what, what you're talking about there. And and don't you find, I know like in my um, in my book and in the, the joy trainings, I talk sometimes about how this whole idea of gratitude can feel kind of worn out and feel heavy sometimes. Like we judge ourselves for not feeling more authentically grateful for the things that we should be thankful for, right? That should word again. Like it's so easy to uh-huh. fall into the rut of focusing more on what we don't have than appreciating what we do have. But I know that yes. you teach like I do that we have to upend that equation and start recognizing it as a tool like you're saying it's a it's a powerful tool for creation yeah yeah and i know what you're saying when you know we all have a tendency it's just biological it's built into us to focus on what i call lack thinking mm-hmm. the things that we don't have the things that we have to get ready for brace against uh be prepared and that's a part of us right? it's a very old part of us survival part of us The gratitude part of us, though, is opposite that. The gratitude part of us is saying, I love these things that I have in my life. I love them so much, I just want to wrap them in my arms and squish them up against me and just let my heart, you know, fuzz into them. Mm. So when we're saying that feeling and we're acknowledging the things that we do, and then we give ourselves, again, a little of that lack thinking injection of, but I don't feel grateful enough, or I shouldn't be. I shouldn't be, you know, upset about this. I should be grateful. We're we're kind of like taking all the juicy power out of the gratitude mm-hmm. when we do that, right? And that's where you say with the shoulds and so forth. So I I teach my people that when you go into gratitude, feel gratitude about anything. It doesn't matter. Not the things you should feel about it, because maybe you've got a bunch of conflicting emotional crayons. You've got a bunch of different colors scribbling over that gratitude. Different feelings. <laughs> Pick something that you actually feel grateful for. Like today, I'm grateful that the sun has peaked out of the clouds. I live in Southern California. We get fogged in all the time. Sun comes out and I just go, oh, today is going to be so good. Right? And I have this outpouring of me. And when I have that outpouring of me, when I have that gratitude come out, you know, and and the world I, I live and breathe in, I'm actually experiencing that energy. That energy now becomes part of who I am. I have just scribbled that crayon into my soul self, my energy self, and now I am experiencing, I have become a bit more gratitude. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, I, I believe you said you let your heart fuzz into it. I'm a logophile. I love all the words you're using. I love the crayons. I love letting your heart fuzz into it. I'm like, oh, yes, I feel that. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, that yeah. makes sense. Love the crayons. Yeah. Love scribbling yeah. that, that emotion onto our, our soul. <laughs> the other really important thing I think about uh, gratitude is I had just hinted at this a few minutes ago. Not only am I finding things that I can instantly feel grateful for, like right now I'm staring at these beautiful crystals I have on my desk. Every day I look at them, my heart again kind of wakes up and opens into like, oh, I love that. Oh, that's beautiful. Right? When you feel something is beautiful or precious to you, that's a form of gratitude. So I try to strategically have things all around me. Like you can't see it in the audio here, but if you were, you'd see my office is full of beautiful little altars of things that just kind of continuously wake me up. 
and make me feel more and more of that gratitude and appreciation, beauty, admiration, right? Because I want to be that being that has a ton of that energy, a ton of that emotion constantly being built inside me. Mm -hmm. Um, Not only am I looking at the things that are you know present and here that I currently have but because I love to talk about manifesting right that's kind of my bag I feel gratitude for those things that I don't yet have Mm -hmm. so I may be looking forward into my life and saying god I love my gorgeously fit body I love how I feel inspired to get out there and get on my rowing machine or go for a walk I love this body of mine now, mind you, I, I definitely don't have that fit body <laughs> at the moment. It's a work in progress. <laughs> but when I'm expressing the gratitude for it, a couple of interesting other um, more complex emotions come out. One, I'm acknowledging that it exists, which in the world of manifesting is as good as saying, stamp it, it's done, done deal. Yep. Right? You've just acknowledged it exists, therefore it is. When you're thankful, it's it's presumed that it's because you've already received it. So there's that little bit of energy that says, I've already received this, and I'm so grateful for it. So it's a way that I actually kind of move my manifesting forward by putting in and pouring in feelings of gratitude for things I don't have. Um, If I'm in an argument with somebody, uh, someone in my life is being prickly and, and difficult, then I feel incredible gratitude. I can't believe how well we just came together around that. It was so unexpected. And then I just practiced that feeling appreciation like wow thankfulness wow that was wonderful now maybe nothing has happened to change this relationship yet but i'm programming it i'm programming it and i'm programming it every single time i feel that hallelujah sister oh for sure i'm sure you know this already no (laughs) that's probably a lot of you listening though i'm like my listeners know i love i love when people corroborate all the things i say but i mean i love the way you say it i love the angle that you bring to it and i don't think i gave you a heads up on this but i have a feeling there are going to be like 25 opportunities every episode i give the listeners something to take into their life to go like do because this is the do joy podcast you can't just listen about it hear about it you got to go do it so creating those lovely little altars i think is like something that we've never really talked about before and is such a great 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 home play you'll probably get like 50 home plays in this episode i have a feeling but there there's one already for y'all go create little beautiful altars all around your house things you can be grateful for when you see them yes and i actually have a secret name for them i call them energy anchors because they're kind of like a take on dream boards you know but with these energy anchors and again you can't see it i'll describe it behind me i have a gorgeous crown made of gold and gemstones and red roses i've got my crystals up everywhere. I've got some beautiful custom handmade smudge sticks that have roses and rose hips and orange slices, you know, buried in them. Whenever I land on them, my energy comes up and anchors to that. Oh, I love this feeling. Oh, I love these things. And that just translates into all the rest of my day. I'm much more likely than to say about everything else in my day. Oh, I love this, right? It's like priming the pump. So yeah, go make some altars. Beautiful. That's so juicy and beautiful. And I feel like even as we're evolving on this journey, which I know your people are always on a journey, my people are always on a journey, you and I are always on this evolving journey, that it's so important to to have that gratitude for every step along the way. I love your approach to this idea that we heal our emotional core wounds when we're ready. We call that the spiral in joy school and it's always an ongoing process, right? We're always peeling back the onion layers and there's nothing wrong with that. It's beautiful and liberating every step of the way and the more we can give gratitude for each step, the better, even when it sucks. I had a huge leap in the spiral this past year. I had been coasting along with like no drama in my life for over a decade and then this shit storm hit with my family of origin that resulted in me actually losing people from my life like completely. It was devastating, heartbreaking. But I'm ultimately so grateful because it just showed me the extent to which I'd always been a doormat and people pleaser in my family of origin. It was exactly the push I needed to finally have healthy boundaries and stand up for myself at freaking 57 and I do this stuff for a living I had done all that work before 
but I was ready for the next level up. And I know you talk about the power and necessity of heartbreak too. So unpack these two things for us, how, how we can only ever heal when we're ready and there's always that next level and then how heartbreak ties into all that. Yeah. I, I always say whenever you encounter something difficult, again, prickly, prickly difficult, things you don't want in particular things you have massive resistance to like i would never have picked that or chosen that if in my life so how the heck did it you know get in here i say it's either a friend or a teacher which Mm -hmm. one do you want it to be or it can be both and this applies to the worst things like you know you you know lisa i had uh breast cancer stage two breast cancer about eight years ago and of course, you know, how would you practice gratitude for that, right? <laughs> but you can actually get to much more, I don't know, I don't like to use the word evolved because then it means you're not evolved if you're not, you know, and I don't like to right. play with that contrast. But you can get to much more exquisite uh, places in yourself when you shift away from this is being done to me, this is horrible, I don't like this, push, push away. And instead say, how could this be my friend? How could this be my teacher? How could it be both? And you actually enter into a different relationship with the experience when that happens. So instead of resisting and being angry and, and, and you know, pushing away from, you know, my cancer experience, as many people do, I mean, that's maybe one of the most common reactions people have, right? Like run, <laughs> makes sense, run, run mm-hmm. from it. I will go into it. How can you be my friend? How can you be my teacher? What can I gain from you? Why are you here with me? And and again, what this means is now we're playing with another emotion. And sometimes we have to play with other certain emotions before we can even go back and we'll reach gratitude, right? And that emotion is curiosity. I'm curious why you're here. Curiosity is, again, another another emotion that kind of opens you. When you feel curious, you can almost feel the energy in your own chest and body expand, right? This, there's like an unfurling, like flowers opening to the sun. Curious. So even if you can't like something, even if your heart is breaking, you can be curious about it. And curiosity will move you to the next step. Well, how do I want to be in this relationship with you? Oh my God, I mean, I've got some power. I can choose how I want to relate to you and, and how the feelings that maybe I want to gain from this. And that just opens so many new doors. Now, I know that drifted away from <laughs> the object of your question, which no, is, you know, perfect. your heart is meant to break, but there you go. No, it's exactly what, what I, I was hoping you would, you know, outline so eloquently mm-hmm. as you did. It's it's always yeah. about finding that other angle to look at it from. When we're in resistance to it, when we're pushing it away, when we're fighting against it, we're just keeping that flavor of energy right there in our lives. And and the way to shift yeah. it is exactly how you outlined. Beautiful. Bingo. Bingo. So to go back to your heart is meant to break, that's actually a chapter in my book, um, Stuff Nobody Taught You, the one you mentioned it. And I, I, I lay out another idea that I used to have, which was our hearts are these little glass objects and somebody has to really treasure them and keep them safe. And that's what we're looking for. And on the one hand, you know, yeah, I do want that. You know, I want my marriage to have that you know, feeling about it. I want, you know, I want to keep my kids' hearts safe and protected, certainly. But then I also recall that, you know, hearts aren't made of delicate glass. Uh, Your physical heart in your body is what not only, you know, takes the oxygen in from your lungs and distributes it out, but it takes the cellular debris and it processes it out. It dumps it out. It feeds you and it, and it, excretes, it poops out all the yucky stuff constantly. So if you think about your heart on a more energetic level, we're always trying to say, feed me, give me oxygen, uh, give me love. But when it comes to, but now we need to process it when the love is broken, when it's finished, when it's completed, when something difficult arises, when those, you know, icky feeling emotions come up, great, I'm your heart. Let me do my job. Don't be afraid of me doing my job. I will heal. And I think so often we forget that our hearts are made to heal. They're, they're made for it. I mean, it's intrinsic to them. And when you start to feel like, oh gosh, my heart is made to not only break, but to heal and then break again, it frees you up to look at a life a little differently. Like I can take some more chances. I can, I can take a few more healthy risks. 
I can risk loving again. Like all these new ideas come to you instead of, okay, I have to put that little special porcelain, you know, figurine away and never let anybody touch it, which is what, you know, we do when we end up closing down our heart because we've had so much heartbreak. So I think that's another, I don't know, hopefully it's a good, hey, can your, can your listeners do homework on that one too somehow? Oh, for sure, <laughs> for sure. Scratch I our heads. Goosebumps. I love that. I've never heard that discussed that way. And what a valuable insight. Absolutely. And, you know, we protect that, that heart for good reason usually, but but it's it's those things that we didn't get to process when we were so young and, and just didn't have the emotional bandwidth and the emotional maturity to process properly. We stored away all those, those layers of protection. And that made sense when we were at that point in our lives. So it really is about bringing all that up into the light of day so we can keep peeling away those onion layers and let that, that delicate little porcelain thing that really is not as fragile as we think be be a little closer to the forefront of our our interaction yeah. our interfacing with the world i love how you describe yeah. that so sweet it it's really about trust like i i have had to learn to trust my heart um trust it to heal trust it that you know whatever it's facing whatever it's ex- experiencing um i have to trust it in all of its variations you know, it's easy to trust ourselves when we feel gratitude and things in our life are going well and we have love and connection. But when we don't have those things or when those things are, are ripped away from us, you know, like you with your family, then we still have to trust our heart. Hey, you've got this. Hey, this is part of your job. Hey, you were made for this and you're going to take me through the other side and I trust you. And it makes it so that, you know, when we want to grieve, we can trust our hearts to grieve. We can trust that our heart won't ruin us or sabotage us. Let it do its job. You know, give it, give it that faith. So, yeah. That's so go. important <laughs> to let our let our precious little hearts grieve because we don't typically. We're so taught to shut that down. We don't want to feel it. We have all these distraction yeah. maneuvers that we've habituated. And, and letting it grieve is what digests the pain body. It's what lets all of that, that stored energy release so that we have room for the natural joy and love that we are to flood in to fill the space. That's what we exactly. are at our core. I am grateful that I can grieve. Yeah. <laughs> Eventually... Eventually, you kind of want to get to that top level, which is, I'm grateful that I had that experience. Yeah. I'm grateful for the grief. I'm grateful that my heart knows what to do. I'm grateful that it's made to rebound again and again if I let it. And if we think about it, the people that we know who are miserable and, you know, stuck in icky, dark, blaming places, we all know people like that, oftentimes our own family members, they have stopped trusting their heart at some point. They stopped allowing the grief at some point. They got stuck, stopped trusting it. And in a way, they became brittle. You know, and when you're brittle, you're, you're breakable, and then you become very defensive. So it's when you're in the motion of this constant allowing of the turnover, that's where you stay fluid and flowing and alive and fresh, and you don't end up one of those negative people at the end of your life just always talking about how crummy everything is so So that's my goal is to is to stay in that lane of traffic right there (laughs) absolutely one of the one of the keys in my new book is the feel to heal do you have anything prescriptive that that you've found that that really helps you like we have a whole protocol for noticing when we're distracting away from our challenging feelings and then doing that pattern interrupt and then allowing that that emotion instead of repressing it and i wonder if you have any little tips or things that you do when you notice that tendency because we all have that tendency right to push away those things we'd rather not look at or deal with yeah, uh, it's so funny. I had a conversation with someone just yesterday about this very thing uh, in the light of, you know, the toxic positivity. Um, and I said, well, mm-hmm. I, I teach people how to generate those positive and gorgeous feelings because, frankly, we never have enough of them. I said, so how do I reconcile that with toxic positivity, which is this idea that, you know, we have feelings and we say, oh, no, no, I can't feel that. I'm, I can't feel that. That's bad for me to feel that. So mm-hmm. I have to feel good instead. And the nuance that kind of came up in the conversation was if you're noticing any sense at all of repression or a negative feeling about the negative feeling, Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's your key right there. Now you are not engaging with it in a healthy way. You're engaging with it in a repressive way. 
a, I don't trust you, I'm afraid of you, I don't like you, I hate you, then that feeling gets stuffed and pushed and you can't, you can't, the word I use is embrace it. So even if you're having that negative feeling, it wants to come out, your heart wants to flush it, right? It wants to heal from it. So it's got to bring, it's got to surface it so that it can flush it out. So I say, okay, I have to embrace this now and I'll embrace it for as long as it takes. And, um, you know, the funny thing about grief is it seems to operate on its very own timeline. Mm-hmm. You know, I've, I've lost a lot of people in my life as well, particularly literally the cancer. It seems to be the theme for, for my life. And grief will come up in the weirdest of places. You could be standing in the middle of the grocery store and just your whole body just wants to shake and shudder. So I let myself feel that feeling now. And then I trust, hey, on the other side of that is the beautiful feeling that I want to have. So I'm going to go through this one so that I can reach that other one again. And I'm going to trust that this process is real. And so when I feel positivity now, I know it's genuine. I know it's not because I'm running from another feeling. It's because I actually want this. This is the chosen feeling, deeply chosen, not as a response to me trying to deflect the negative feeling. Which I think is exactly what you just said in far fewer words. No, I think you just said it really beautifully and, 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 and added gorgeous depth to what I just said. Because it's true that our, our soul wants to feel that joy and that bliss and that love. And if it's not, if we're not just having that experience of bliss, there's something in the way. And what's in the way are those emotions that have gotten stuck because we were afraid. We were afraid to feel them. We didn't know that they would just flush through. So we've just been storing them in there by keeping them under, you know, wraps, tamped down. So I love the way you described just letting it flush, just letting it flush out. And that's a a matter of faith, right? You have to just know that it will. It will flush and and be spent. And it it won't be a, a bottomless... I think that's what people are afraid of, is if I open that valve, it'll just never, never, uh, never flush out. It'll just be a bottomless release. Yeah, I, I, I completely understand that. Like if you grew up in trauma, um, and a lot of us did, um, and if you're empathic, you know, and you, you learned how to like, just your spidey senses were always on as a, as a sense of survival. So you became very intuitive, you became very sensitive or sensitized because you had to. Uh, you end up going into this adult where you think, if I touch that well, it's going to overflow. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's then more a case of, all right, I understand that. Why don't we let a tiny spigot, you know, just, I'm just going to plug the tiniest little spigot ever, you know, <laughs> and let little, little, little ant sized drops of this come out and drain that balloon very, very slowly. And that's where you get into a lot of deep growth work over the course of a lifetime which is absolutely permissible. I always say <laughs> healing is like showering. It's yep. best to do it daily. <laughs> okay? That quote is in Frankly, my book. That was Zig Ziglar. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. So it, the reason is, if you're not healing daily, it means that nothing has broken recently. Yeah. And when you live well, you break things. <sighs> Otherwise, you're living too perfectly. You're living too bound up too rigid, too afraid. So when you're living, you break things. You break other people sometimes when it's really bad. Uh, you break parts of yourself. You break expectations. You break trust. You Things happen. So every day is your opportunity to heal yesterday's broken, cluttery, you know, litter on the ground. It must happen, but it's a good sign. Because I would rather be doing that than be frozen. And, and rigid and stopped. So gorgeous, gorgeous heal metaphors. every day. Aim for it. <laughs> heal what? every day. No, I just I love your gorgeous metaphors. You you have a beautiful ways of, of putting putting example to um to these principles. Speaking Thank of, you. you talk about yeah. the fear cliff and the dead zone. Tell us about these um these other beautiful examples you have of spiritual truths. Yeah, it's funny. I guess I've given little little parables to everyone in these spiritual truths. Huh? It's perfect. That's how people integrate. Uh, I love it. Yeah. The dead zone is one that's really relevant right now. Um, <laughs> so many of us are either in a dead zone or emerging from a dead zone. Last couple of years, we got shut down. I mean, we were literally physically 
shut down and isolated. Uh, of course, it makes perfect 100% sense. When you're physically shut down and isolated, what else becomes shut down and isolated? You. And we all said, what's wrong with us? How come we don't feel great? It's like, well, if you're physically shut down and isolated, you're probably emotionally shut down and isolated. Your heart is shut down and isolated. And it's like the world opened up again and everybody's encouraged to go out physically again. But nobody ever said, hey, all these people are emerging from their emotional isolation as well. They just talk about the mental health crisis, et cetera. But few people are saying, how do we do that well? How do we reintegrate well? So this dead zone, again, I liken it to, <laughs> it's funny, but it's not funny, actually. It's tragic. <laughs> there are spots all over the Pacific Ocean and, and all oceans, I'm sure. I just remember reading up and down about the uh, Pacific Coast where you get these certain blooms of, say, plankton, um, certain uh, overgrowths that happen, and basically it just deprives all the water of oxygen. Um, as a result, nothing can live in these miles and miles and miles, stretches of completely dead ocean. Fish can't survive if they swim in it. Invertebrates, everything just can't live. And they're known as dead zones. And so I thought, you know, I, that's how we sometimes feel in our life. Like I have, I have swum into a dead zone. Um, they're natural. It's not like you shouldn't be there to use that again. They're natural. It happens. It's one of those things you swim in and you swim out of, right? You, you heal through. But you have to recognize when you're in one. And when you're in one, you feel flat, wrung out, uh, directionless, um, I dare say hopeless. But often it's just a sense of, I, you know, where's my Prozac? <laughs> I, I need something, you know, because I can't feel anything anymore. Like my feeling, my ability to feel has just emptied out. And then you think there's something terribly wrong with you. And, you know, of course, if you feel like that, you should definitely get yourself checked out. There could definitely be some biological and neurological things that you could address. But just in your heart recognizing I've hit a dead zone and this might be a very natural occurrence but not one that I want to stay in. How do I then allow myself to reawaken? How do I create the right circumstances around me for the reawakening to happen? And that becomes the question. Not you should feel better and what's wrong with you. You don't say any of that to yourself. You say how can I create different circumstances around me that will draw me back out again? That will help me find those feelings that I'm missing. Help me find that life, you know, passion and direction that's just disappeared from my life. And then that's what we work on building, creating those things around you that you can reach toward so you can get to the next place outside of that zone. I that's that's that. the dead zone. Yeah. <laughs> and, and we're such... But, creatures of habit that it's almost like if you linger there too long it's it gets harder and harder right to to rehabituate those those neural pathways those grooves in our brain even you you yeah. started out talking about the pandemic and I remember saying to my husband it's just such a, a good example of how our human tendency is when the pandemic started it's all anybody can think of tragedy drama oh my gosh this is awful this is horrible this is terrible this big scary thing this is horrible and Basically, I think it's pretty much over everywhere, right? But I kept saying to my husband, like, where's the party? Where's the, like, we are past this? It's behind us. We did it. Yay, us. Let's go, like, dance in the streets and have parades and shout that this is... No, nobody celebrated that it's over. We're just like, you know, we, we got so habituated to the doom and gloom, and then we rolled right into, like, another global tragedy with war and all this stuff going on. It's, it's like we need to take conscious control when we notice ourselves in, in those dead zones, right? It's about observing it. And like you're saying, not not fighting against it, not saying there's anything wrong with this. This is normal. This happens. I'm doing a human life here. But then taking those proactive steps. Beautiful. Exactly. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. I, I think we didn't celebrate because nobody ever gave us an official end date. Right. We were not given permission. We were just kind of, we're just being strung along on this. Well, we don't know where things are going. So that's like, we've gone from red alert to very low level anxiety. I think somebody needs but to no call it. But no one gave us, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. So I don't, I don't really know how to change that. Let's you I, and I call it right that. now, Summer. It's over. Let's throw parties. Okay. Spread the word. <laughs> Summer and I have declared it. If it's a thing, it's a little <laughs> tiny thing we don't have to worry about now. Everybody go parade and dance in the streets. <laughs> Spread the word. <laughs> 
Yes, be safe, take care of yourself, just like any anything in society. Because we're, and that's a funny thing. Like, if I look back over the course of my lifetime, things have just rolled through over and over. I mean, there was, we've had several big wars here. Um, we've had not just that this pandemic, but there were pandemics before me. It's true. All the things that we have, you know, tend to. They just they just keep coming. <laughs> They're like waves rolling in from the ocean. And I think having some sort of, you know, like when a war ends, you, you get a parade. Um, maybe we do need to shift and think about, hey, we conquered this and, and adding a few more parades for other things that aren't so obvious. I mm. like that. I love that idea, Lisa. I love that idea. Let's start a parade yeah. movement. <laughs> <laughs> yes. The Juicy Joy Parade Movement. I love it. <laughs> The day day PM. That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah. Um, do we have time fear- to go into the fear cliff? Or yeah. How are we doing? I have time. Do you have yeah. time? <laughs> Listeners, you got time? Yeah. We're going to do it. We're going to go you into the fear got cliff. Because I got like 25 <laughs> more questions I wanted to ask you. But <laughs> at least do fear cliff. Oh, shoot. <laughs> but take, take it away any direction you want. You, you know? It's, uh, okay, you um, pick. We can talk about fear cliff or the, the plan A, plan B, a way of looking at life. That's a really fun oh, one. Yeah. How we have this like king and queen inside each of us. You go in any of those directions you want, girl, because those are all amazing things. Okay, every one of those could be a 20-minute spiel. So let me <laughs> let me stay. I will stay. I will stay with the fear cliff for the moment. Okay. Um, I, I'm, I'm obsessed with inner power, right? Inner strength. Um, growing it, discovering it, um, uh, what do you call it when you, you know, cultivating it, yeah. right? Nurturing it into being. I don't think it's something that, you know, you either have or don't have. Um, I, I think all of us have the ability to nurture and grow a tremendous amount of inner power and inner strength. So one of the ways that we have to do that, and you're going to totally relate to this because you're always telling people, go out and do something. You know, put this into action. Mm-hmm. If your cliff is when I'm saying to someone, you have some growing to do, right? You you want something, and it's just outside of what you know. If you knew it already, you'd have it already. It'd be here. You wouldn't be wanting it, but you want it. So think of it like you're looking outside the rings of your known universe, the ring of your known universe, or let's make it even smaller. You're Saturn. And you can see the edges of your rings <laughs> surrounding you. I, I know, it gets really weird after a while. <laughs> All these pictures. I love um, how weird it gets. Yeah. So you see the rings of Saturn. That's the extent of you. Everything you know in your life is inside these rings. Outside is just weird, empty space. But you want something. You don't have it. It's not inside your rings. Do you know where you have to go to get it? Ooh. You have to go, yeah. You have to go to the weird, empty space. That's probably where it is because otherwise you'd have it. So you get to the very edge of the ring, or sometimes I call it, you know, the the edge of the reef, just to go back to the ocean. And you're looking at this vast darkness and saying, I, you want me to jump? Are you serious? You want want to jump into that? I don't know what's there. How do I know? How do I know? And again, that's the question. You know, get busy living or get busy dying is what people say. And I say, well, if you jump out there, you're probably going to find the next set of things that you want. But if you stay where you are, you know, I talk about flow and, you know, that's another part of my teachings. Flowing water is alive and healthy. Stagnant water, that's where all the icky stuff starts to breed and and decay. If you're not always pushing at the boundaries of your rings, pushing a little bit into what I call the grow zone, right? The known zone is what I call where you are. The grow zone is where you're going. So I will ask people, jump off the fear cliff. You know how you you know how you're at the edge of your known zone? You know where your grow zone is? Show me something you're afraid of right now. Just pick something right now that makes your heart go wobble and your 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 stomach feel kind of Wah. That's it. Could be about anything. Could be I'm afraid to make phone calls. I'm afraid to do social media. I'm afraid to um, show up strong at work because I might I might upset people. Uh, I'm afraid to really embrace the idea that I could be a best-selling author and write those darn books. Those fears, every single one of them, bing, 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 they're lighting up like a you know like a circle of lights around your known zone. And to go past them, your fear is telling you that's your grow zone. So pick one, pick any of them. Doesn't matter. You don't have to pick the biggest one. Pick a tiny one. 
I just want you inching, like inch into your grow zone if you have to. So that's what I mean by the fear cliff. It's leaping past that little, that little outer boundary. And the fear is what tells you fear is your friend. Uh, fear is your ally. I know this is weird sounding, but switch your mindset, right? Flip flop it. Fear is telling you, come here. I'm, I'm telling you something, telling you something. Please listen. So that's why I talk about the fear cliff. And I got to say, it's very different than other kinds of fear. There is a different fear that is, I'm afraid to uh, run across a freeway. You, you rightly so. <laughs> you know, there's some fears <laughs> that are truly uh, your body retracting and saying, that feels bad. That's a bad feeling. Ugh, don't do that. Then there's fear that has a different flavor to it. And that flavor of fear is, scares the heck out of me, but it also kind of makes me flutter. Like there's a little de- desire, a hope, and if only. So on balance, the fear has a little flutter of good as opposed to a flutter of, you know, absolute negativity. Like I, I would never do something like that. Does that make sense? Because sometimes people are like, how can I tell the difference between what fear telling me to go forward or hold back? I'm like, well, that's, look for it. You'll start to get comfortable seeing the flavor of that fear. Great discernment practice. Yeah, it's all about just noticing which voice we're listening to in our minds and really tuning into that voice of our inner soul, our wise inner knowing. And that's a great discernment for that. All yeah, right, so yeah. you you listeners of Do Joy who are really bold and brave and love like pushing your edges and living right there at the, the edge, that's your home play. You go do a, a little dialogue with your vertical self, a little meditation, and you see what your fear cliff is. Have a little conversation with yourself about your fear cliff. And, you know, if you're just uh, not feeling it this week, it's not a week you're doing your all, you're just doing your sum, then you go make some pretty altars around your house, and we'll let that be your home play. <laughs> No judgment. Either way, you take care of your sweet self. We're all at different places at different points. No judgment. <laughs> oh, I, I so agree with you. I think personal growth sometimes falls into this fallacy of everything has to be hard. Everything has to be right. difficult. You know, you only grow through that. Heck no. Grow through making altars. Grow through beautiful, good experiences. You get to pick the, the things that you want to focus on for your growth. And, you know... Some people have had so few beautiful and good experiences that if the universe just plopped a ton of them in their lap, that would actually be their fear cliff. Because yeah. it'd be like, I don't know what to do with this. I've never experienced this. Like, great. Then you need a ton of good and fabulous things because they're unfamiliar for you. So let's go gobble those up for a while and, and see what that brings out in you. I can't wait to see. Here's here's a million dollars. Go have fun. <laughs> so... It's so true. Yeah. It's so true. We're so silly, our little human selves that don't even accept our, our good fortune sometimes because what if it doesn't last or what if I don't deserve it? Yeah, it's such a, a human tendency. I love that you addressed yeah, that. So I want you to yeah. tell all the listeners all about the book and all the other amazing things that you're doing and launching and where they can find you. And then if you have time, we can tell us like one more final little tidbit, whichever one you pick. Okay. I just okay. want to make sure they get all the info um, how to follow up with you. Yeah. Well, this book is called Stuff Nobody Taught You. Um, it is a uh, 40 chapters, basically, of everything. I have a program myself called Me School, M-E, Me School. And I've been teaching it for about 10 years. About 1,000 students have come through the doors. Almost, We're almost hitting 1,000. I think we'll do that this year. And I finally decided after a decade of teaching these classes and courses, I'd write the material down, you know, for posterity, if you will. <laughs> and so I put everything into this book. Well, not everything, but quite a bit of it. And the book is really sassy. I have to tell you guys, it has F-bombs and expletives. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's one of the, yeah. So there's some things. I like to get people's energy and emotion rolling so they can see themselves. So um, every now and then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that. But a lot of what we've been talking about comes straight from this book and straight from me school. And um, you can get the book any place. It has come out on um, April 25th. Uh, so, yeah, you pick it up any place. And if they're curious, you I mean, connect with me on Instagram. I'm summer underscore McStravick. Uh, or you can just email me. And I do uh, respond to all of my emails. I mean, to the best of my ability. 
So that's that's kind of what I've been up to. Me school's going to happen this fall. Um, everybody who has the book, I'm kind of hoping that they'll say, I love the book so much. I love all of these ideas. Teach me more about manifesting. Teach me about intuition and this crazy inner power, you know, that we have. And then you'll come on in and then I can start working with you, um, you know, weekly. And we actually do a lot of this stuff in a, in a live way together. So it's pretty awesome. So, so that's awesome. it. Yeah, that's, that's where I'm at right now. So awesome. And Summer's going to be a guest uh, a guest teacher at Joy School at the new Joy School Spotlights program rolling out pretty soon. So follow up with her. She's absolutely one of my, my favorite soul sisters in this journey. Human design is a system that offers profound insights into your inner self and how you interact with the world around you. Quantum human design takes that process one step further, allowing you to become the architect of your own reality. Join Dr. Karen Curry for Elevating Your Life Script, a weekend workshop where you transform your life by crafting intentional narratives, May 24 through 26, at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. What else do you have on your heart? What's one thing that you want to leave us all with today, beautiful friend? I I think the best thing to look at, based on everything we talked about, especially starting with gratitude and the dead zone, is what I call another concept, um, another chapter of the book, uh, restocking your pantry. Ah. And in a way, it's it's the cure to the dead zone, at least for me it has been. When you look at all the things in your life that you have around you and you're saying to yourself, well, I can't really say that I am excited about any of them, right? Maybe a little bit of a dead zone feeling going on. And you wait and you're wondering when is the good stuff going to come and uh, what? How can I, how can I be happier? I give a prescription to my students. I say, you need to restock the pantry. You're like a chef and you open up the pantry. And all you've got is a can of beans and a can of spaghetti, and that's it. I'm like, what are you going to make with that? You need to start putting things in there. I want you to go out and create a bunch of beautiful moments for yourself, just beautiful experiences. Some of these can be just watching the sunset one night. Another one can be uh, taking a painting class, even though you've never painted in your life. Um, give me a list of things you can do that you think could or might make you feel good. You don't even have to know if they will, but they might. But you're there to find out. Write them all down and start doing them. Every time you do them, you're throwing something new into your pantry. You know, you're throwing in uh, some Triscuits, you're throwing in some rice cakes, you're throwing in some cinnamon, you're throwing in some eggs. I guess you don't put eggs in a pantry, but you know. Eventually, you open the pantry one day and you see all of these ingredients. And there it is. There's a recipe. There's something like, oh, I can make this now. But you can't get to that point unless you do this preliminary work. And I think too often we're trying to jump to some conclusion of, well, if I only had this, everything would be great. Um, if I only felt like that or this thing happened, everything would be perfect. And yet we forget all the stuff leading up to that, which is those moments, those little gems that we want to turn around on our fingers day after day, little bit of things that light us up, light us up, light us up. It's also a way of telling the universe, I'm going to add so many new experiences into my life over the next few months that those new experiences beget other new experiences. And maybe I've come to a standstill and, you know, what's showing up around me is the result of where I am, but I don't like any of it. But if I keep adding in all of these new experiences, even if I don't even know if they're perfect, I don't know if they're even the right ones, the universe can then, your life, your future self, can then start stacking and creating more, you know, think of it like rays emanating, you know, from the sun, rays of light, right? You do a few new experiences, those rays keep going and keep going and keep going. Pretty soon, the kinds of things that are coming into your life are very, very different than where you are now. But it all starts with that restocking of the pantry until that one day you open the door and you say, oh my God, I feel different. Something came together. There's a recipe here. So it's not like you start a recipe with no ingredients is what I'm getting at. You have to build the ingredients, let the recipe happen for yourself. So I, I, I think gratitude, just go right back to that, is a big part of that. I would go out and seek experiences that gave me a feeling of gratitude. I'm so grateful 
You know, like maybe after this, I'll go stand in that sunlight that I said I'm grateful for. I might go stand out, walk outside my door, sniff the air and stand in the sun and just feel like, ah, I'm so grateful that the sun broke today. I just put that ingredient in my pantry now. I don't know where it's going to lead. Maybe it'll lead me to go to the uh, the nursery this weekend and pick up some tomato plants. Maybe I'll plant the tomatoes and give some to my neighbor later on this summer. Maybe my neighbor is going to have... Um, you know, someone over at their house that I get to meet and we become best friends. <laughs> That's what restocking your pantry eventually leads to. And you can feel gratitude about each one of those little things along the way. So leave, leaving everybody with that, that idea and perhaps some homework. Summer, I am so grateful that I invited you to share one more thing off the top of your head because you don't even know this yet because I haven't sent it to you yet. But you've been talking about restocking your pantry for a while, girl, because you talked about it the last time that we were in one of these interview situations. And that's what I put in my book. That, that's what, how you're quoted in my book is about restocking your pantry. <laughs> so you were about we're to getting... find that out when I sent it to you. Yes, for real. <laughs> I love that so much. That's such a beautiful awesome. analogy. I love it, love it, love it. <laughs> So that was absolutely yeah. perfect, and there's no coincidences in this universe. And I am grateful for you. I am grateful for you. Thank you, Lisa. And we are grateful for you, beautiful listener tribe. Thank you for spending time with us today. Love you. Go, go practice that gratitude muscle. Deepest gratitude and love to you, my beautiful listener tribe, with representation in 30 countries all across the globe. I'm so honored to spend this time with you. If you're wondering about my online events, my books, joining my Joy School community, all of that is waiting for you at lisamccourt.com. I look forward to connecting with you there. Much love. Dr. Stephen Farber and I am an author, teacher, psychotherapist, and shamanic practitioner. On my podcast, Healing for Your Soul, I welcome some amazing guests and introduce you to some healing techniques like earth magic, working with nature and animals, and really getting to the heart of what is keeping you stuck. I want to help you deepen your spirituality and let go of blocks that are holding you back. Let me help you in this journey called life. Part of the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network. Subscribe and follow wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss an episode.